Uh, welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director. I'm sitting here with Julia Bennett. Uh, Julia, how are you doing? I'm great. I am great, Jake. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. <laughs> most people most people don't ask. Uh, that's, uh, that's nice. So for the listener who's not familiar with you, uh, how did you... Can you give like a brief history of how Julia Bennett like went through theater and performance uh, to land at the Treasure Valley Youth and Children's Theater? Oh my goodness, yeah. do you have a while? Yeah, um, okay, uh, so my background is I was raised in Ohio. I went to the University of Kentucky and I majored in theater. I got a generalist degree in theater and at that time it was... Um, I didn't come from a theater family. I just loved doing it. I started doing it as a grade school kid, and we didn't have classes where I grew up. So uh, high school theater was my real entree into some training. And then I moved into my college education and loved it so much I wanted to continue to train. Went on and got my MFA in acting. Um, And I'm kind of an academic rat, so I took a little time off and worked in the industry in uh, southern Illinois. And then I headed to graduate school and got my PhD. And I got my PhD in performance studies. So that area is really about looking at text uh, and narrative and understanding how to stage it and what narrative means. And so it really opened up a whole different view. And to give you kind of a, a barometer, Mary, um, Mary Zimmerman, who wrote *Metamorphosis*? Okay. *Metamorphosis* on Broadway. She she came out of a performance studies background, and so that idea of taking texts of all kinds and transforming them into staged stage presentations. After that, I went and got a teaching job, and I was a college professor for 20 years. And then uh, my husband, God love him, <laughs> moved us to Boise, Idaho, and uh, I worked in corporate education for a while, um, and then met Autumn Kersey, who's our executive director and founder, and, you know, I had some things to offer. I, I thought I'd, I'd run a couple of play festivals, of course I'd run a theater program, I directed a, a ton, um, but I was looking for an arts home here. Yeah. And uh, and the, the, the college and university settings pretty locked up, you know, I could adjunct, but I'd been a I'd been a full-time college professor, and so I knew what that was. I had done that. Um, I wanted to move into the professional market, and so my background is in all kinds of things, but particularly young people's theater. And so Autumn and I talked, and we started with a short play festival for young audiences, and then we did some strategic planning. And she had she had some areas where she could use support that I had strengths. You know, um, she she's a outstanding professional and good artist and and a great manager and there was just not enough of her yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I run a theater program and I directed a lot and I'd you know I I basically had some talents in being able to bring production standards to continue to let the waters rise and so I offered to be a company manager and run those operations and then that turned into the artistic director of the of the uh, theater for young audiences and and that's where I am now Amazing. Yeah. So I asked this question at the beginning of my podcast to all my guests, uh, and it's a big, ambiguous question. So Uh-oh. please, yeah, feel free to answer it in any way, shape, okay. or form that you wish. Uh, but the question is simply, what is your artistic direction? What is my artistic direction? My artistic direction is to create ecologies for people to work to create excellent work. Okay. 
right? Yeah, no, so it's, it's about creating cultures. Yeah. And the cultures will um, reflect in the work that you do. So for instance, TVCT has a core set of values, which really resonates with the way I operate because if you have things that you can point to, then when you're working with your team, if there are um, if there's misdirection, somebody's behaving in a way that doesn't support the values of the company, you've got language to talk about it. And it's not about going, I don't want to work with you. It's about going, you know what, we really are about X and your behavior says Y. So either you can you can join us in X or you can you can find another field where you can enjoy why. Um, it's not about punishing people or, or making them feel bad. It's about being true to the values of the company. And for me, a community where you work is a place where you bring your talents, A, but B, you spend the majority of your time there. Yeah. Right? Yep. You're with those folks. They're your work family, yeah. right? I'll give you an example. I worked 20 years with uh, my partner in crime at the college that I taught at for many years, um, Augustana University. And I always called him my work husband because we just, and, and his wife and my husband would joke about it because it's like we were together that much. So why wouldn't you want to create a space where you've got respect going on and collaboration and, and, and just can, can feel those differences um, humanely? Um, because yeah, you want to you want to attract talent, obviously. Yeah. obviously. But I've worked with a lot of talented jerks, yeah. <laughs> or not a lot, but some. Yeah, you know, they're there. They're there, <laughs> um, and and just people who are more interested in getting the work without any regard to the means. Yeah, um, and that's a great sacrifice, and it's horrible for retention of talent, because people don't want to work with jerks you know yeah. they'll go I'll do this once and then I'll go find some place where I'm respected yeah so my job as an artistic director is to create the environment where that can be held up yeah that's right the, yeah and when you are there's always I feel like when when you can tell someone is a, a jerk or is willing to maybe at the drop of a hat sort of turn around and sort of put a step on your head to, to go yeah. up to that next level there's a bit of a tension that sort of is in arise just by having that presence right. around well uh, pe people are going to be people right yeah, yep. um and i mean i can be an asshole from time to time yeah. i am sure um but but by the same token that you create an environment and i think autumn is exceptional at this you create an environment for people to make mistakes and then coach them through that and then they grow yeah. right because yeah. I don't know about you, but I turn to some of the same people all the time to work with because I know them, I trust them, we have a common vocabulary, and we get re better results because of that. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean we don't invite new people in, but I want to retain those people in my, in my community because we can do some wonderful and awesome work together. Yeah. And usually we share similar artistic values. Yeah, typically. Right? Um, yeah, you used a word that I'm really interested in, which is culture. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really think that being an artistic director is about cultivating a culture. Absolutely. Because uh, your, your theater community is in and of itself a culture. Mm -hmm. uh, and so another thing that I'm interested in is um, when you're in, in control of a theater entity, you have a bunch of individuals with their own intent right. and their own, I'll say, quote unquote, artistic direction. And vision. Yeah, and vision uh, who are coming in. And th those necessarily don't align. So as the artistic director, I think one of the responsibilities is to sort of honor all of those mm -hmm. and yet also encapsulate them and give them all a singular direction to go in. Right. Uh, how do you go about 
making that, like actualizing that idea. It's again, big picture, right. pretty difficult. Um, a lot of communication. Yeah. I find, first of all, again, having a driving set of values is super helpful because it tells people on the get-go kind of where the work is supposed to drive. But the other piece is um, you use all the tools that you're at hand. You use company meetings. You create opportunities for dialogue. You use pictures and you use the cloud and you make things accessible, accessible for people. So that's the first thing. And you create those opportunities to sit down at the table or across a Skype, you know, uh, through the net. The other, I think the other piece of it is that you also make sure that you have tools for them so that their work is structured, yeah. right? Yeah. So that you've got less chaos. Yeah. Because people, I used to say this to students, I say, this is not a hero's culture. Don't be a sacrificial hero on my account, yeah. right? Where I'm going to work all night on yeah. the show. You know, we're a working entity, we're a business. And so we want to get our work done in a timely fashion. And so we're going to create an opportunity for that work to be done in a way that doesn't cause stress for anyone and everyone gets what they need in a timely fashion. So that's a piece of it, too, is I think the culture sets the tone for the artists and then you provide the tools so that they can get the information they need to execute. Yeah. And then you're honest and you say, that's not working for me or that is working for me. Yeah. You know? I've found in my experience, I've encountered a couple of times theaters that are experiencing uh, this chaos, I guess is a term that uh, mm-hmm. is pretty accurate actually, where yeah, th- things aren't explicitly being stated and people are making assumptions that aren't necessarily true or that are true that the that the mm-hmm. entity wish weren't true like that sort of thing right. um, if you I, I guess my question is what advice would you give to a theater that has found themselves within this chaos of, oh of organizing it and trying to get some sort of uh, cohesive direction going? Well, well, you have to do a kind of a root cause analysis. Yeah. I was, you know, I was fortunate and not to work in cor- a corporate setting for about three years at a pretty high administrative level, which gave me access to a lot of tools for analyzing behavior and looking at outcomes and bottom line and stuff like that. And and so the first thing is always you got to do a root cause analysis of really what is the bottom line problem. If you look at how things break down, it's usually top down. So if, and you sort of start with your vision, like your mission, and then you go to your leadership, and then you go to your management, and then you go to people, and then you go to resources. Well, if you're suffering from a a lack of resources, usually it's a people problem. If you're suffering from a lack of people, usually it's a management problem. If you're suffering from a lack of management, it's a leadership problem. If you're suffering from a lack of leadership, it's a mission problem. And so it's an old old formula that I heard one time, and it just stuck for me. Because think about it. Give Give an example. I can't get enough volunteers. Well, your management is not communicating. They're not asking. Right? Or they don't have a system for people to sign up. Or there's a, a thousand ways that you can get stuck. And, and most of us hoard work. Artists are pretty egotistical. We kind of go, well, I'm the only person that can do this. Yeah. <laughs> but really, again, learning from my great, great colleague and boss, Autumn is a great, great deployer and delegator. Yeah. 
And I feel really blessed to have somebody whom I work with that can help me model those things because I've not always been a good delegator, but managing people over a long period of time has taught me some skills to work to better strength. So um, the first thing you got to do in any company is even you got to step aside for a moment. You got to stop operations long enough. You got to put a halt to be able to take a breath and go, what the heck is going on here? You know, is it that I've got, there's a people problem. Well, that's a management problem. Well, people problems usually divide into a couple of things. One is behavior. You have a bad actor and somebody, and somebody who's not been coached and is called to accountability, Right. HR is a really terrifically hard thing to do, especially in organizations where we start as friends and then we become bosses. So as a manager, you know, say I've got Stan who is my TD and Stan is just a great TD, but he's a crappy person to people. He, he yell, and we've met all met people like this, so they'll yell or they'll make volunteers feel bad. So nobody wants to work with Stan. Yeah. So Stan ends up alone. And Stan goes, well, I can't get anybody to work with me. And it's going to be behind. And I'm not going to have that done until final dress. You as the director or the, as, you know, the artistic directors go, and the, the director's going crazy because their actors can't do their job. Right? And yeah. their, their, their designer can't do their job because they don't have their set realized, so the paints are behind, so set dressing is behind, lights are behind, everything's behind, because a manager has not dealt with a human resources problem, which is that, Stan, let's talk. You do a beautiful job at building sets. Can you tell me why it is that you might be snapping at people? Oh, they're assholes. Well, no, Stan, they're not all assholes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's going on? Well, I can't get anybody to listen to me. So do you ask them? Do you speak to you know? So you talk about, yeah. again, behavior. You say, well, what can you do differently? And yeah, there's always the risk in that setting, because we're closed, that somebody might walk. That's a risk you take, but it will. Uh, if you don't deal with it now, you will deal with it later. Yeah. Right? And Stan is holding back the progress of your organization and your artistic quality. Ultimately, you're being kind to one person, but you're robbing all of these other people of a quality experience. So so that's the first thing I'd say, is look look at your environment and say, okay, if I'm having a people problem, is it a person or is it lack of of systems? Because systems can get you a long way. Like, we can't get volunteers. Well, maybe we go to something like signup.com. Where people can go online, and we start a a Facebook newsletter to keep our group informed as when to, and we let them, and we invite everybody to the build. You know, we have regular, and we build systems so people know when to show up. You know, it's it's not rocket science, but no. when you're in the middle of things and it's crazy and chaotic, it's rocket science. It feels <laughs> like it. But honestly, that's the first thing: is you say, "This is our business, and our business is people." You know, the, it's people in the audience, it's the people on stage, it's the people behind the scenes. And uh, ultimately, we're here to tell stories, and we can't tell stories if we're all not all on the same page. There's going to be other things, too, like money. Money's going to always be an issue, and you have to have somebody who holds people to, to account and says and breaks it down and says, I'm paying X amount per actor, we're doing, you have X amount per costume, you have... X amount for talent, you know, we're going to do this much for budgeting, we can only afford X per flyer, so you really break it down so you know where your money's going, and then you track it, and you have somebody track it so that they know 
Where did we lose money? Where did we get money? Is it worth it to do a Facebook boost in our post? You know, that will tell you a lot. So systems, my friend. Yeah. They are your friend. Uh, and you may have just answered my question, but uh, something that I've been observing uh, mm-hmm. is that the younger generation coming out of college, a lot of younger people are starting up sort of fringe yeah. Attached to a theater. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and it, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's really interesting. But the so these small groups, especially small groups, typically of friends. I'm curious what advice you have for a beginning. You're starting up. It's like day one. You're like, I want to make this this theater group. What are things that you can do to preempt those chaos problems? A couple of things. Know the strengths in your group. So, you figure out what strengths you need. Um, and you need somebody who understands money and numbers, right? You also need somebody who understands people, and maybe they have the same strength. And then somebody with strategic vision for your company, and somebody who's a good manager and says, you know what, we can afford to do two plays a year in this kind of space. Um, and your mission's going to drive a lot of what you do, so you figure out who, what you're about, and you do it in a single sentence. You know, uh, Treasure Valley Children's Theater is all about respect, um, creativity, compassion, enthusiasm, and excellence. We are changing the world one theater kid at a time. You know, simple. Yeah. So once you do that, I would say there's a couple of tools you can use. The first would be get your core group and go to freestrengthfinder.com and figure (laughs) out what your strengths are. And here's why. Because you'll learn a lot by figuring out what those top five strengths are of all the people in your organization. If it's three people and you go, oh, you're really a strategic person, so maybe we're going to let you take the lead on. You know, you're a manager. You win over others, so you're going to be our sponsorship person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you, you, you put people where maybe it's not their top passion, but it's a strength, right? And it becomes an asset to your organization. So I'd say do that. That's a simple, simple thing. Get into a a little retreat with your team and just go, let's just do this quick online tool. It'll take yeah. us about 20 minutes and we're going to learn a lot about That's each free other. That's freestrengthfinder.com? Yep. Okay, awesome. There's a strengths finder and you can actually buy it. It's $10 hmm. um, and it's the Gallup organization and and Gallup, I love you. Thank you for that great tool. But there is a free version online. Yeah. So I would do that. The, the next I, I would do is just really make sure you know what your mission is. We, uh, you know, we are all about promoting, we produce award-winning works and support women artists, right? That's a simple thing. And you can go, okay, that tells me how I'm going to source my team. That tells me what literature I'm going to look for, what kind of themes I want to produce. That tells me I have a story to tell people because when you market, you're marketing, you're marketing the personality and, and, and vision of your organization. Like Boise Contemporary Theater here, we tell stories here. It's all about the narrative. I can quote it in my sleep, yep. right? See, play, perform, Treasure Valley Children's Theater. That tells me a little bit about what I'm about, and then that allows me to craft a story for people. So people go, well, Jake, what do you, you know, what's your theater about? Well, we tell stories, you know, and we, we typically tell stories that haven't been told before that are new, um, that we want people to experience we believe we can open their eyes to a whole new world through the world of theater that's contemporary. It's in the, the title of our theater, yeah. right? So it gives you talking points, and then you can be assured that every person that walks out of that group meeting 
knows when somebody comes up to them what the story is because you want the entire team to know the story. Yeah. Those are real simple tools, you know, and it's going to take a weekend where you buy some pizza and you sit in a room together and you do these two or three tasks. And then, and then you let people do their job, right? If you're going to work collaboratively, you say, are our bases covered? And you, develop, you draft a plan. What's our business plan? Our business plan is to do two plays a year and to be, to be self-funding or to get sponsorship or to become an LLC or there's a thousand ways to make theater. Right, mm-hmm. you can do it collaboratively through, collaboratively through donations. That's a tough road to hoe because you got to cover. Right, we're going to do it free in the park, and we're going to get a local college to sponsor space. Woo! Right, yeah. and we're going to use volunteers. We're going to use skilled volunteers, but we're going to train them by having acting workshops. Right, so that's how we'll build our base. That that front loading time, that kind of management and vision time, gets everybody in the same space gives them similar language, right? And you can develop some core values, like our three core values are, whatever. It's hard work, but then you can talk out of the same talking points when you get out. And that's super important because I've seen it where you've got an artistic director and then you've got a managing director and you've got a, a submissions director and they're all saying different things because they're focused on different things. And then the chaos ensues. Yeah, and the chaos ensues. The other piece of it is if you've done that kind of homework, we want to do contemporary theater. Well, that tells us what kind of questions we have to, have to ask of the people that we invite to join us. Yeah, we want to invite our friends, yeah. right? And that's usually what happens is we invite our friends. But you can kind of tell pretty quickly if somebody's not on the same page, right? If you're, if you're a contemporary, say you're in experimental theater, and you get somebody who's coming in and say, well, let's do Death of a Salesman. I like <laughs> Okay, talk to me about how that would work. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you think about the Broadway versions now, like View from a Bridge, which were very contemporary, right? Mm. Just in the recent Broadway season. So it can be done, right? But you, it gives you the right questions to ask. Yeah. And if they're, you know, and you've got a designer mm. who wants to do four walls and break off the fourth wall, and you're like, uh, no, not so much. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That gives you a way to talk about it and say, you know what, I think... I think that we have a different vision here, and, and, and so why don't we just call this one good, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that, those are the hard conversations, yeah. but um, if you have one person who doesn't fit, again, you hold your organization back. Yeah. That's one of the things that I've been encountering a lot of is people saying that as an artistic director, you need to have the ability to have those hard conversations. you got to have those critical conversations, yeah. yeah. How do you, sometimes someone fills that role and they don't quite have that sort of sensibility or maybe they're, I don't want to call them timid, but maybe they're a little bit timid. Maybe, maybe they, they feel like they're not quite ready to have those difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. How do you place yourself in a space where you need to have those critical conversations? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is maybe more of like a psychology thing. but It's a management thing. It's a management thing, okay. There's a good book out there called Critical Conversations. So <laughs> go buy the book. <laughs> or, or read it from the library. Yeah, borrow it from the library. But um, what... So one of my jobs, I was a dean of a for-profit college, um, and whoo but, um, but a good learning ground. I learned a lot about how to be honest with people and to have those critical conversations and to, um, 
look to your team and to do what you call building a bench. That's that thing where you have a succession planning and you have people that can come in. Yeah. You're cultivating talents. There's a couple pieces. One, you have to really know what you're seeing is what you're seeing. So you have to confirm through multiple sources that the behaviors... You're, you're talking about behavior. You're not talking about personality. And that's always the first thing to remember is... Because somebody behaves in a specific way, doesn't make them a bad person, doesn't make them the devil or the villain. It makes them it makes them a bad actor at that point in time. And so you have to look at behavior and results. You're not getting the results you want. Actors not coming to rehearsal prepared, right? And they're in a pretty big role. And you you're thinking about recasting. And so a you have to kind of do, you have to document data. You can't manage without measuring. Mm-hmm. So you measure. <laughs> And then the next thing you do is you, you go, okay, I've got measurement. And you call them in and you make sure you call them in or you have a conversation in a place that's private. And if you feel like you want to have a witness, you have a second person there that is a stakeholder, like maybe your board board president or maybe your stage manager. Somebody it's not, not that they feel ganged up on, but really that it's you need a witness so that it's not somebody walking out of the room saying, well, he said this to me. Da, 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 yeah. It's like, no, you have to have this conversation. And you start by asking questions. Say, how do you think you're doing? How did it go? And, you know, so you get a beat on, you can get a beat pretty quickly. You will either notice that people are clueless or they have a clue and they expect something. Yeah. Um, and that can help drive the way you talk to them. But once you get that kind of fix on where they're at, you can say, well, let's talk a little bit about X. I And, and my favorite formula is you go from senses to feelings to judgments so you say you know Jake what I see is that you've been late three times this week um, and it feels like you're not taking it serious it feels like something's not right and I think you're not taking it seriously I see See? Yeah. So basically, you're, you're not shooting blazes. You're a light person, and yeah. you're bad. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm seeing this behavior. I'm seeing this behavior, and, you know, for instance, I've had to coach actors who put time in on the show, but just not a fit. And we're a small organization. And so, you know, then you come in and you say, how do you think it's going? Well, let's talk about what we talked about when you auditioned. You said X, Y, and Z, and what I'm seeing is not that. And I've gotten feedback about this, you know, and you got to be careful with the feedback thing because yeah. people say, from who? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I've gotten feedback about this behavior and in this context. So, you know, you just want to be cautious about, it's not finger pointing. And again, people have stories. But then you can say, so talk to me about that. What's your response to that? And, you know, then you can say, look, here's the outcome I need. I need you to be off book and I need you... You give people a chance, right? Yeah. You give them opportunity. You give them feedback. They either perform to the feedback or they don't. Here's what I need from you. I need to see that you're on time ongoing from now on. No lateness. And I need to see that when we get to being off book, you're off book. If I don't see that, I'm going to think that you don't take this very seriously. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to bring in another actor. So... You know, and, and those are hard conversations, yeah. right? You can soft sell it a little bit because, say, you and I are friends, and Jake, we've been together a long time, right? Look, um, man, you are not bringing it right now. You've yeah. been late several times, and as a director, I have to hold everybody to account. 
what's going on? Yeah. And you can you can say, look, I'm my girlfriend and I are having a really hard time. Say, I totally get it. I know you guys have been together a long time, and this is your job. Yeah. I'm paying you. Yeah. So what can we do to ensure that you're going to be there on time? Do you need somebody to send you a text a couple hours before just to remind you to start packing up? Whatever it is, seriously, nothing's too silly. <laughs> you know, nothing is too silly. What do you need? Yeah, and it allows the person that space to react. Mm-hmm. Rather- and it allows them to feel like they get a choice. Yeah. Right? And, you know, there are things where it's just like you do have to cut cut bait as they say but um, you know somebody somebody sexually harasses one of your cast members that's a no go yeah <laughs> somebody you know we are a children's theater and you gotta interact with kids yeah and you have to treat them with respect and you can't do thing, anything that's inappropriate right yeah and you have to manage kids in a classroom If we, have, we I teach classes I direct shows I design I've gotta be able to do my job and that's a job requirement so are they meeting job requirements? If not, is it, is, it a, is it a problem that can be, is it a challenge that can be coached up? If you can't coach it up, how do you coach it out? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because we coach up and then we coach out. And, and it's so funny to talk this way because I ran a theater program for so many years and I struggled with those conversations. I got into an environment where I hired and fired people. And it's not that you get chilly about it. It's that you become clear about methods. You know, because, again, I care deeply about people. I want them to succeed. I understand there are challenges. I understand there's context. And I'm still responsible to make it, you know, I'm still responsible to keep the theater open. Can't keep the theater open if we're not performing to our best because we lose money. Right? Can't keep the doors open. I I had a boss once who said, no margin, no mission. Hmm. Right, you, mm. and it's not about having a big margin. It's just about having, mm. having what you need to to create the work. Yeah. And if you're doing it well, and here's the thing about a healthy organization, you'll have ups and downs, right? But you'll have structures for success. People will know the rules. They'll know the expectations, and then they can follow them. Say you're a small theater and you're not doing contracts or letters of agreement. Consider doing letters of agreement. And the letter of agreement is like a syllabus. It says, I expect that this is when you're employed. This is what you'll be paid. This is what I expect of you. In return, you can expect this of me. And we both sign. And it feels a little formal for smaller companies. You know, I'm I'm not talking about teeny companies. But the deal is that then when people aren't meeting their obligations, you can go, yeah. yeah, you kind of point to the contract, you can go, let's talk about this, what's happening? And, you know, it's, we have to get to here, and it's important that you be at G, and right now you're at B. Yeah, and that's, it's crucial to get that down in writing in the first place, because when you get it down in writing, it forces you to organize what you want right. out of the company. And there's so. lots of templates out there. By the mm-hmm. way, online, Mr. Google is very friendly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other the other piece of it is it frees you from having to worry about how to talk about it. Yeah. And you don't whip out that paper. You just say, hey, let's talk about this behavior. Yeah. Because usually it's a behavior, you know, it's... You're not, your poop's not in a group, you know, um, you, you, you're not showing up on time and you're just not being professional, Yeah. right? Or you're gossiping. Gossiping is, we love to gossip in the theater. Oh, it's yeah. like, so you draw somebody aside and you say, hey, 
that's really yeah. cool that you're doing that. Could you leave that at the door? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so we're a little bit past a half an hour. Is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't been talking about so far in terms of artistic direction? Well, this is a lot of management, actually. I've been talking a lot yeah. of management, right? Yeah, which but, is a good thing to talk about. But yeah. as artistic directors in this company, we actually do a lot of personnel management, too. You know, mm-hmm. we've got a business manager, but she's more about bookings and, you know, stuff like that. Um, I will say that you wear those hats, yeah. typically, um, if you're in a smaller company. Um, artistic, But artistic directors encounter you know behavioral issues um i see you know i see my job as as creating a healthy world to play in right yeah i want to have fun while i'm here and fun can be hard yeah <laughs> uh but we all love to dig into plays we're here for a common cause which is that we love the arts and in this company we love kids right and so i want to be able to create an environment where everybody gets that and it's not crazy making. I've done crazy making, and that makes people sick and yeah. uh, tired, and it it dims their light, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, I come from a faith background, which says you get that light out of a bushel, right? You take, you let it shine. And so, my job is to help them shine, and I got to do that through management, and I've got to do that through creating culture. Yeah, you, you use the term uh, ecology at the very, very beginning. I like I that word a lot. really like it, too, because yeah. it gives this idea where it's like, not only is everything living in harmony with each other, but you have a diverse set of... Uh, of it's an like, ecosystem. Yeah, it's an ecosystem, right? exactly. So it's, and, and then you kind of go, okay, what's our ecology? Well, if our ecology is respect, it's easy to talk about showing up on time, but it's also meaning I show up to meetings on time and I have my materials ready and I'm prepared for our design meetings and because I'm respecting people's time. If we're talking about compassion, people have lives, <laughs> right? And they have marital problems and boyfriend-girlfriend problems and da-da-da-da-da, you know, or they're struggling and, you know, we're a small company. Money is always going to be an issue, you know, in terms of, how we pay, how we compensate people, and for those of us in management, making sure that we can make a living, you know, <laughs> and that can be stressful. But then we talk about that and we say, well, we want to retain this person, so there are, are there other income streams we can talk about? How about more classes? Why don't you develop a class? What if we were to, let's do the math, what if we book three more shows? That gives you X amount of dollars in your pocket. So we really, we do break it down, right? The other piece is if we're talking compassion, we you know, we keep a coffee pot or we, you know, we make sure that people are hydrated. We, we buy water bottles as part of swag or we give them company branded t-shirts. You know, it's a, it's a little expense, but it, it advertises your work and it makes people feel like they belong. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's part of the ecology. That's part of the brand, you know, branding's huge. So I'm a part of the, I always say I'm a part of the brand and how I behave is indicative of the brand. So I better get my own poop in a group, right? And, and, you know, and I struggle. I sometimes struggle with organization, timeliness. Yeah. Those are, you know, those are my lifelong challenges, but I understand that. Yeah. And um, so I put systems in place to try and counteract that and work to strength. Yeah. Uh, so the one thing, we haven't really talked about, in fact, this is a children's theme. Right. Um, I've loved everything. Oh, man, you've, you have awesome stuff to say. Thanks. Uh, um, but I'm curious, so how, how does, how does um, attuning your theater's uh, I guess sensibilities aesthetic. to children aesthetic thank you um, to uh, to children how does that differ or, or, or what are the biggest challenges I guess 
for hosting a children's theater, a children's youth theater, over just a normal theater company? Well, the, the, the challenges are the same to some degree with regard to um, getting butts in seats, mm-hmm. sharing your brand, right? It, they're big. It's like 5,000 foot view. We have a brand, and the brand is who we are, so we have to share that. We have to maintain the brand by maintaining the quality of the the output, right? The, the place um, and the behavior of our people. And when they're on site, they have to do specific things. We have certain kinds of routines. I think what's different is that our audience is specific, right? It's family and children. And so that, to some degree, means we look at a couple of things. A, we look at the literature, right? And we determine what kind of children's theater we're going to be. Are we going to be a more contemporary children's theater, a classic children's theater. We're going to do both. So like you look at Minneapolis children's theater, they bring storybooks to life and they do it beautifully. It's it's really, and they do lots of many things, but that's one of the hallmarks of their work, or it has been. Um, we can't do that because we don't have um, the facilities right now and we don't have the scale of production. So we have to know kind of how we can produce. We Up until... A month ago, we produced in a bank building, a, a refurbished bank building. And so it was a large room, and it had 11-foot ceilings. And, you know, we blacked off an area, and we had platforms. But you can still create great work. It's intimate work, right? So you know the scale, um, as opposed to, say, moving to a high school where you're going to do a larger scale production. So that's the first thing. Um, the, and, and knowing, for instance... What is the right literature for us? So because we want to get butts and seats, because no margin, no mission, got to have some yeah. bodies, uh, we're going to probably steer to more classic children's literature, at least for now, and have a formula. We're still looking for the sweet spot, right? And so Little Women, uh, Treasure Island, um, Anne of Green Gables, you know, classic, wonderful yeah. stories but producing them in a way that doesn't necessarily have to be classic, right? I see, yeah. So for me, I got to know what aesthetic's going to work for each particular show. So like the last several shows I've directed, I did The Tomato Plant Girl. And Tomato Plant Girl's fantastic. Thank you, Wesley Middleton. Um, (laughs) But it was a very kind of a clean, bright aesthetic, you know, because The Tomato Plant Girl's so messy, but it's like, and and the show is all about percussion and rhythms. We had a percussionist on stage, and you know he would accent things, and you know we had these really poppy colors, and these you know it just was very it was very uh, popped out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was grounded in real, real feelings, you know. But the, but the aesthetic was heightened. Little Women, a little more realistic, but involving um, more viewpointing kinds of approach, mm-hmm. where you'd have um, uh, you'd use point of focus differently, or um, you'd have breakout moments like and and I added you know I added moments like Beth's dying wasn't Beth dies off oh Beth is dead which is what happened in the scripts it's, and Beth died <laughs> like no 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 so we had this whole moment where we incorporated a hymn and the characters began singing and as Beth would pass them you know they would face out and I said mm-hmm. so and she just passed slowly and then she paused at Joe and then she kept going. And it was gorgeous. It was a gorgeous little moment, you know. But So it's in, audiences will sustain if, you know, here's the thing. My job is to get you in the door and make you go, what just happened? Is it done? Right? Yeah. And so um, 
I try to pick, A, I try to keep the kids engaged by making sure there's nothing that's not integral and not moving in the story, and use as many tools as I can at my disposition. So everything from textiles to rhythm, you know, percussion to, it's just, it's making theater, right? It's just heightened. Children's theater is a lot like musical theater. It's rhythmic, it's heightened, it's very planned out, yet there's this room for spontaneity, and there's grounded in reality, and yet you could break into song, mm-hmm. right? So I guess, I don't know if I answered your question. No, no, you're doing great. But it's sort, of a, it's sort of a, it's a malleable problem. Got to know my audience, and my audience right now is pretty much Oh, depends, but anywhere from three to about 14. That's really our audience. The age range? Yeah, in terms of coming to shows, and not all of them at once. Yeah. Little Women was about probably seven, uh, but moms and sisters and cousins, like a lot of women bringing their kids or grandkids, a lot of women coming just to see the show together, which we want. It's family yeah. theater. Um, Tomato Plant Girl, four and up. And, you know, because you've got this funny creature on stage and, you know, she's moving and she's talking in gibberish and, you know, it's like, and she's adorable and <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful story. So um, I got to know my audience. I got I to gotta determine an aesthetic and I have an aesthetic for the company too. You know, for me, it's like I've been in this job about a year and a half and my job has been to move us toward the TVCT aesthetic. Whatever that is, is, we're still forming it. But it's like when people come to a show, they go, yeah, that's TVCT. Yeah. They, and then they tell the friend, you have got to see TVCT. You know, it's, my goal is to make us a premier regional children's theater. We'll get there. It's going to take a while, but, you know, you got to dream big. But, um, but part of that is knowing we're serving children. You know, you've got to know your audience, and your audience can help you drive your choices, and you make sure that you, in my view, you give people some of what they love, some of what they don't know but can come to love, and some of what they don't know at all. Right? That's beautiful. Because you can't love what you don't understand, and you don't understand what you're not taught. So it's a three-pronged stool. Yeah. So yeah, so we're doing a, a short play festival for young audiences called the 8 and 48 Idaho, and um, it's 10-minute plays for kids, and it's juried from all over the world, people submitting from all over the world. Um, got about a 200 entries. <sighs> but, you know, as you read those plays, you get a play and you go, that's a really lovely play. That is not for kids. Or you go, now why isn't that for kids? Well, it's talky. There's no spectacle. So you kind of, you know... Good old Aristotle, I know some people don't like him, maybe he's out of fashion, but there's a place for spectacle, there's a place for story, you know, or maybe there's not a place for story, but it's a place for character. So we are still, we'll, it's malleable, we're still figuring it out, but, you know, we'll get there. That's awesome. All right, well, we are we are almost at 45 minutes, so Ew. wonderful. Uh, if people are trying to find either you or the uh, Treasure Valley mm-hmm. Children's Theater online, do you have any plugs? Um, Do you have any plugs? Oh, plugs, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so uh, you can go to treasurevalleychildrenstheater.org, or not com, dot com, sorry. I always think we're an org, but we're still a com. Hmm. Uh, or you can go Children's Theater Boise, Idaho, and you'll find us. Yes, yes, please look us up. Come see, if you're in this region, come see us. 
we have, golly, we've got place for, we've got young people performing for adults. We've got adults performing for young people and families. We've got classes, camps. We're always looking for talent. So if you want to submit, send it to, send resumes for design, actors, etc. to Julia at treasurevalleytheater.com. And I like ending the podcast with this. Can I get one recommendation of anything at all from you? It could be like a movie, a book, uh, music, quote, way of life, anything. Oh, golly. It's one of my favorite quotes, and I can't remember who said it, but it's, and the dreamer raised his ladder and began to climb. That's awesome. That is, that's really, really amazing. Well, Julia, thank you so much for Jake, sitting down. thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah. Um, you can find this podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. Thank you so much for listening, listener, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. Bye. Bye.